This is the Big Church Podcast. We believe that people of all ages and races can belong. No matter what you've done, no matter where you've been, you are loved and wanted. This is the example that Jesus set, and we won't quit until everyone, everywhere, knows that you are made to belong. We will grow together in the truth of God's love, believing that He has good for us. We believe everyone has a purpose, and no one is too young or too old to join Jesus in bringing life to this world. We are better together. This is the Big Church Podcast. How's everybody doing? As y'all can tell, I'm a Kentucky Wildcat fan, and I'm unashamed of it. Oh, you, boo, I got some boos going on here. Kagan, you don't even like sports. What are you booing for? I want to uh, take a minute here to celebrate something. During this week, there was a day that, that was International Women's Day. How many women we got in the house? Come on, come on. We need to lift up our women, man. The women do a lot of things in this church, and if it wasn't for them, I don't, I don't know what we would be doing, guys. We've got to step it up a little bit. But, you know, they're having the She Conference coming up, and it's going to be on Saturday is going to be the day that you can help out by coming and supporting our women. The Saturday one, the Friday night is going to be a lot of she in here, a lot of estrogen in the house on Friday night. But Saturday is going to be a mixture. So if you haven't bought your ticket for that Saturday one, you're supporting the women of our church, also supporting our church. And it's going to be a great time. I'm listen, I've listened to the, the little clips of this lady, and I guarantee she will not put you to sleep because she is very powerful and very good. So, um, you know, as I was thinking about this message um, Um, I was going to paint my face a different way. I was going to try to put half red and half blue, but man, the thought of putting that red paint on me, it was almost like the Wizard of Oz witch. It was like, ah, I'm melting. I'm melting. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Come on. I was starting to put that red on there, and I was going, oh my gosh, I was thinking of, 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 of basically like a vampire the first time it sees light, right? Ah! Uh, all you U of L people, you're, you're about to get mad at me. But do you know something that, you know, how about these people that say, you know, if L is not playing Kentucky, I'm going to be a fan. Well, I, you know, I'm kind of the, one of these people, if L is playing the Russians, then I am for Vladimir, and I am like, go. Oh, my gosh. I will say, I went too far. Okay, I will say this, not really. I will say this, that I do, I do think Chris Mack is a good coach. And I do think U of L is on the upside, so I want to get. I said the bad thing, so I got to come back and give you a little bit of hope, anyway. Right now, uh, maybe you'll win another national. I don't know. Anyway, but the, let me tell y'all something. Do you know that the home team wins almost seventy percent of the time? You know, when they're on the court, the home team wins almost seventy percent of the time, and athletes actually perform better when they're in front of their home team. So I want you to give me a home team rally this morning. I want you to help a brother out this morning and preach. And so if, you, if I say something good, say so good. If it's bad, say so good anyway. If it's a bad joke, hush up here on the front row. If it's a bad joke, laugh at it anyway. But you know, March Madness is here. How many, any basketball fans in the house? I see all. Praise God. There's more in this group than there was the first one. I was looking at like, what is he talking about? I had no idea. Well, I'm going to use a lot of basketball analogies, but March Madness is here. And when March Madness happens, this thing's shut down, right? Like there's basketball on for like, seems like a month, right? Or wrong? In my house, I mean, even the novice fan, even the person really doesn't like basketball, they're going to have a television on, they're going to be watching it somewhere, they're going to be listening. And even though they don't know the teams, they're still going to be part of it. But 
I'm telling you, even casual people become fans during March Madness. Well, what was happening, I'm about to tell you a story that it was March Madness for Jesus. Jesus had just, uh, he was starting his ministry, and he had just performed one of the greatest miracles. He fed close to 20,000 people with uh, two fishes and five loaves of bread. Can I get a witness on that? He started, he started telling everybody, he started doing these great things, and people were following him. He was healing people. There were miracles going on. So Jesus was a star. So let me show you, read in John chapter 6, verse 14. He said, then those men, when they had seen the signs, when they'd seen what Jesus had done, they said, Jesus said, this is truly a prophet who is to come into the world. So what they did is they, they were camping out all night. Anybody ever stayed up all night and went to get a ticket to something? Y'all need some help. People, you know, people that will stay and camp out all night long and, and just try to get something, try to get a ticket for an event. But that's what these people were doing. They were going, but when they woke up, Jesus wasn't there. When they woke up, they were like, where did he go? So they started following. So let me tell you what happens in verse 26. And Jesus answered them and said, this is the group that followed him over to where he was going. Jesus answered and said to them, most assuredly, I say to you that you seek me not because you saw the signs, but because you ate the loaves and were filled. Here was Jesus. He was about to, uh, to really call them out. What was their motivation for following? Were they hungry? Or were they hungry? Were they hungry for what he could give them physically? Or were they hungry for what Jesus could do for them spiritually? He's about to separate. He was looking for players, not spectators. He was looking for people who would be on his team, not just standing back and watching it. And let me ask you a question. Are we in the game? Or do we just go to the game? Do we paint our face up and, and, and do we dress the part and do we look like we're supposed to look? And I've got my old hat on that, that you know, it's kind of all faded out. But that's when the hats get good, right? That's when they fit you really good. They got, they're a little stinky, you know. This one's been to the beach with me a few times. But, but you know, we dress the part and we got an old hat on and, and we paint ourselves up and we've got all the bumper stickers. we got our Jesus fish on the back of... We got our Jesus fish on the back of our thing, and yet we're doing 100, and we're honking at people. Come on. Anybody got any road rage out there with their Jesus lovers? Oh, yeah, at least, at least you all are honest anyway. But, you know, we got all the stuff. We got the signed jersey, and we know all the stats, right? There's some guys and people out there right now that will basically can tell you every rebound that a guy got, how many minutes he played, all of those things right there. They know all about the players. They can tell you his background and where he came from and all of the things like that. But here's the thing. They're never in the game. They're standing back. They have no sweat in this thing. They've not ever taken a hit. They've never got a rebound. They never had to box out. They never had to do any of those things. They're standing back. There is no real commitment there is no real sacrifice. They're just standing there, and they're not part of the game. What fans do this is fans mistake admiration for devotion. They mistake, you know, knowing who somebody is and, and, and liking them for being devoted to them. They also mistake knowledge for intimacy. Jesus doesn't want you to know about him. He wants you to know him. There's a total difference between telling a story and knowing about someone, about knowing who intimate, that's who Jesus wants us to be. And fans sit on the bleachers. 
Jesus has got a lot of fans out there. Man, they're cheering when the things are going great and, and life is awesome and all of these things right there. But let one, let one little thing happen in their life and you don't see them at church anymore. The, come on, y'all know what I'm talking about. Yeah, they say, oh, I'm going to turn my back on. I'm not going there because of that. There's a lot of fans out there cheering when it goes good. But when it's difficult, they walk. Here's what they want. They want to be close enough to get the benefits. They want to be close enough to God to get the benefits of what church gives you and all of those other things, but not so close that it requires anything from them. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Jesus Jesus wants this right here. We want, okay, Jesus, I'll do this if you do this for me. God, I'll come close if you'll come close to me, but I'm going to stay back here and keep you at arm's length because basically I want to do what I want to do. There is no way to follow Jesus without him interfering with your life. Listen, whenever God starts taking and doing something in your life, you're going to get interfered with. You know, you, do you know what I'm talking about? Have you seen any changes in your life since you started coming to church? Have you seen any changes in your life since, since God started doing something? Has your walk and your talk got better? But here's what Jesus does. Jesus is starting to divide. Let me tell you what he does. What God does when you first come to him is he starts cutting things out. He starts plucking this out of you, and he starts separating you from that friend, and he starts making, he starts making you not like the things that you used to like. He starts cutting those things out of your life, and I'm telling you what, it's hard, and it's, what, it's rough sometimes when God starts pruning you down, right? It's rough when he starts to take that place and it starts to maneuver what he wants in your life. Because you know why? Because your flesh is wanting to play its own game. You've been on your own team for so long that you don't want to listen. Mm, I'm not getting ahead of myself. But what he does, let me, verse 35. And Jesus said to them, after all the miracles and the food he had produced to them, he said, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger And he who believes in me shall never thirst. Jesus was looking at them saying, I am the only thing on the menu. I don't like canes because that is all that's on the menu is chicken fingers. Come on, throw me a chicken, throw throw me a hamburger or do something to me. But Jesus is saying, listen, this is all you get. This is all you get. And he offers himself and he says, but will this be enough for you? When everything is going around, is, is what I have for you enough for you? He starts laying out what it looks like to follow him. You have to deny yourself. That's a hard one right there. When, I, when I'm trying to skip that fourth meal of the day, it's hard to deny myself. You, you're going to be suffering. You're going to have persecution. You're going to have betrayal come. Following Jesus is not always a free meal. He says, Are, do you love me or do you want my benefits? Do you give because you want something in return, or you just give because it's what, the heart, it's, it's what the heart tells you to do? Do you pray, and even if you don't see anything happen, do you continue to pray? Or do you just walk away and say, okay, God, I guess you're not hearing me. And do you go to church just to mark it off the list and put a little check mark next to where you're going? You know what? God is really looking. He stops handing out a lot of free bread, and he starts giving them the true meat. You get to a point where God starts to talk to you in your life, and he starts to say, okay, 
Maybe you're young in this thing right now and you don't fully understand what's going on. And that's good because we're all in a process. And wherever you are in this process, God loves you right there. There's also a time when you have been with him and you start to know him a little more intimately. And he starts saying, okay, I'm about to pull the pacifier out of your mouth. And I'm about to make you start eating some steak. And then that's the hard part because then you've got to choke a lot of truth down, right? You ever had a piece of steak stuck in your throat? You're choking that thing down. You're trying to think, man, what? God said, listen, I'm not trying to force feed you, but there's a time when you've got to get off of the milk and you've got to start eating the meat. So he starts pulling this away. He starts taking the bread away from them. And he says to this, will you follow me when the bread stops? When there's nothing else to eat and nothing else on the menu, will you still do? There is a cost to following Jesus. And a lot, of, you know, a lot of times we don't want to hear about the cost of anything, the thing that costs us anything, but there's a cost. And the enemy is trying to convince you that it's not worth it. Pastor Mindy said last week you know, that he's trying to tell you, oh, your life was so much better back then. Well, I kind of remember back then, and my life was not so much better back then. But he wants, to, he wants to pull you into those places and tell you that relationship was that good. Was that really relationship really that good? No, it wasn't. He wants to tell you that life that you used to be was all fun and glamour. But do you remember the times you woke up in places you didn't know where you were waking up at? Praise the Lord. Let me see what he says here. Mark 3, 24 and 25. If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. And if a house is divided against itself, that house cannot stand. When we think about a house divided, we think about, you know, the Kentucky Louisville um, license plates. You said it's cracked down the middle. Any, uh, any Ohio State people in here? First service. Okay. Do you all like Michigan? No. Well, earlier, Charlie was like, no, we don't like. So most of the time, if you're a true fan, you really are going to be in those rivalries. You're not going to like the other person right there. But what the enemy tries to do is he tries to separate us. There's a third, I've heard stories about Auburn and Alabama that they literally cannot let them get in the same place because they will fight each other. I mean, literally riots and stuff go on when Auburn and Alabama play, uh, play any kind of sports. But the enemy wants to divide, which means to separate us. Marriage is divided. I, guys, I will tell you this much right now. She is not the devil. Even though you've seen the horns come up underneath her hair a few times. Guys, girls, he's not the devil, even though he tries to wear a hat sometimes and his hair, Chuck don't have a hat on over here, but you know, even though those horns try to come out, he tries to get you to really feel like the person that you're next to is who you're fighting against. You know that 50% of marriages end in divorce. 11 year averages, how long the, the average marriage, marriage lasts. And divorce, I mean, marriage and divorce are down right now, but people, aren't, people are just living together. So that's kind of the voice, but he's dividing. He's dividing family and friends. Mark 6, 1 says this. And then he went out from there, and he came to his own country. Say own. And his disciples followed him. And when the Sabbath had come, he began to teach in the synagogues. And many hearing him were astonished, saying, where did this man get these things? And what wisdom is there which is given to him that such mighty works are performed by his hand? Verse 3. Is this not the carpenter? They're trying to figure out who Jesus is. The son of Mary and brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon. And are not his sisters here with us? 
So they were offended at him. Can you believe? He's just fed all these people. He's performing miracles, and they're offended at him. But Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his own country, among his own relatives, and in his own house. Jesus is about to step into his destiny. And anytime you step into your destiny, you can always know that your family, is, your, family your friends, and all those people around you are going to find something wrong with it. I said that there are always going to be haters out there, and Jesus had his. Your family, in terms of what you believe, they're going to start seeing that your belief system is starting to change. They're going to start seeing that your lifestyle is starting to change. They're going to start seeing that the values, the things that you used to stand for, the things that you used to do, all of a sudden you really don't want to do those things. If, there's not, if there is not a change in your life, then there's something wrong. If there is not something that is changing because you came to Christ, then I'm telling you, you've got to start seeking after him and what he wants you to do. Because people ought to start noticing whose team you are when you came on to Team Jesus. If they can't see whose team you're on, then I'm telling you, we better figure it out. But family won't always understand. They won't always support you. They're looking at Jesus and they're saying, man, he's out of his mind. This dude is crazy. They were calling Jesus a Jesus freak. First one didn't, I didn't get a laugh at the first one either. But they were, calling Je- they were calling Jesus a Jesus freak. They were saying, oh, he's a holy roller and he's all of these. I remember there's some friends that when I came to Christ that they weren't my friends anymore. I was like, I was like what, what's going on, man? He said, you're just a little bit strange now. All you want to do is go to church and all you want to do is talk about God. And I was like, well, praise God, I'm doing something right then. But they know how to push. He uses the people who are closest to you and he knows how to push your buttons you know what, what happens when, when, we, when we let division? It stifles what God wants to do, not only in our marriages, but in our families, but in the, in the city that we live in. Verse 5, he says this. Now he could do no more mighty works there, except the when he laid hands on a few sick people and he healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief. Then he went about villages in a circuit teaching He couldn't do anything with the home team, so he went recruiting. The home team kind of pushed him off to the side and said, okay, you know, I I don't want to hear you, man. Who do you think you are? You're you're just Mary's son, and, you know, you're not not anybody. He says, okay, you're not going to listen to me, so I'm going to go on a circuit, and I am going to find someone who wants to be on my team. Sometimes you're going to have to leave some people behind. Sometimes you're going to have to leave some situations behind. Sometimes you're going to have to leave some values behind. And you're just going to say, you know what? I'm going after Jesus right now. Jesus will never stop until the team is complete. He's always recruiting. He's always working. He's always having the Holy Spirit come in. But we, the team, all have gifts and talents And some are spotlighted and some are, you know, we see a lot of people up here singing and they have the microphone and their voices are great and the lights are going and and you see the pastors up here preaching and you're thinking, oh man, that is who I want to be. But that does not diminish who is still sitting on the bench. That does not diminish the people who are behind the scenes. A lot of times they give awards for the six man, right? Because the six man is as important as the starting five. 
There's people on that bench that have a role to play. There's a guy that can come in and he can stop their best scorer in a heartbeat because he's the, he's the guy that's the greatest defender. But we have to understand these people are behind the scenes. You don't know what happens in this church but the people that are praying for you being here on a Sunday morning. There is prayer that happens right now. You may not see it. You may not hope, but there is something that's happening. They make your coffee every Sunday over here, right? Y'all like coffee? Well, we got people that are valuable enough to where they come in here. We clean the church. We need people on the clean team right now. I'm taking, anybody want to sign up right now? I'm taking somebody. We need people on the clean team because that's very important. And sometimes we look at all of the lights and the, and the show and the smoke and all of the things around us, and yet we don't think of the insignificant things that happen. Not insignificant. The significant things that happen when the lights aren't on. That doesn't diminish the ones on the bench. Jesus is calling us to be on his team. But he's the coach. He's calling us to be on the team, but he ha- we have to remember that he is the coach. He- you never see a timeout, hardly. And when the guy pulls them up there and all the guys are around them and they're having a committee meeting, right? No, they don't. The coach is who's in charge. A lot of times the problems that we have is because we haven't figured out how to be a team player yet. We want to come into the middle of the huddle and we want to, st- we want to start telling Jesus how, how we are going to, to change this and we're going to fix this. And Jesus like, I wish you'd just listen to me just a minute. I'm about to orchestrate what's going to happen. I'm about to let you see the game being won. I'm going to start to show you how we're going to hit the last shot if you'll just sit down and be quiet for a little while. A lot of basketball stuff in here. If y'all ain't a sports fan, just let it go right over your head. But he's the coach. He has to be in charge. But maybe you feel like you've been benched for some reason. You ever sat the bench? Maybe Jesus is saying, you're just not using your talents the way that you should use your talents. You, maybe you're just not being Fully who God, who I want you to be. Your full potential is being beside. Maybe you've just got bad grades. Maybe you've made some mistakes and maybe some sin has has come and put you over onto the bench. The bench can either motivate you or it can make a victim out of you. It's either going to motivate you to want more or it's going to make you have a victim mentality. You're going to be sitting down at the end of the bench going, oh, woe is me. I never get to play, and I'm better than Bob. You know, Bob, Bob kind of sucks. I, I know I could dribble better than him, but yet we still have the crappiest attitude in the world. We're sitting down there trying to figure out how we can get on the thing with our attitude is so bad. The bench can motivate you or victimize you. It can make you either work harder or it can make you give up. Do you know what I love? I love walk-ons. A walk-on is someone who couldn't get a scholarship, who said, I don't care what it takes, I want to play for this team. I don't care what I got to do, I want to play for this team. They walk on, they, they show up to practice, and they have to do the same things that the stars come on, same thing that the stars are having to do. They have to do the what they have to practice, they have to sweat. But yet they may not ever get the spotlight. But I love the stories of the walk-on that makes it. 
Baker Mayfield is like one of my favorite. You know what? He walked on and, and he got slighted and made a few mistakes and everything. But he was one of those guys that determined that I am not going to let anything hold me down or bring me back. I'm going to work harder. They said he's cocky, but he worked hard. They said he used to show up two hours ahead of time and practice to throw those uh, routes. We have an internship that's going on here at Big Church. And these people are showing up and they're behind the scenes and you don't see them all the time, but yet they're the ones doing the work right now. They are the ones that are saying, you listen, I may not have to have the spotlight, but I want to be on God's team. We can't be divided and accomplish anything. Working as a team, if we work as a team, there's nothing that we cannot do. There is unity in the word community. Let me read this to you. Hebrews 12.1 says this. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. Do you know what you're surrounded with right now? You are surrounded with a bunch of people who have went before you, and they're up there going, you can do it. <laughs> Y'all see Billy Madison? There's always that guy. I mean, you can do it. They're standing up in heaven right now saying, I have been through what you're going through. I have walked where you're walking. I have been down that road. You can do it. Don't give up. They're standing up there. They're cheering you on. Maybe you feel like you're not in the game. Maybe you feel like you're not even on the bench. Maybe you feel like you're not even in the stadium. I got good news for you this morning. No matter the score, no matter what, how, many time is, how much time is left in the game, no matter the opponent, it could be you could be down 40 with four minutes to go, but if you have Jesus, we win. If you've read the back of the book, no matter what happens in our life, if you have Jesus, we win. That ought to be able to get us up and say, man, no matter all the hell is breaking loose in my life, I got Jesus, so I'm going to go on because I know I'm a winner. Maybe you went backwards. God gives, God is the God of the comeback. If you read the Bible, I'm telling you, I stand here because I am a comeback kid. God is the one that, that doesn't see you as you see yourself. He sees you as priceless. He sees you. I don't care if you see yourself down there. God said, I'm about to lift you up and take you higher. I love it when they block a shot. They say, not in my house. I want us to start telling the devil, not in my house, devil. Not in my house. I own this place. It's mine. It's mine. You know why? Because Jesus is the center of it. We win if we have Jesus. Let's all stand if we would, please. Sometimes in the game, and if you listen to much games coming up, you're going to see and hear Dickie V going, need to get a T.O., coach. Get a T.O. It wasn't that good. But sometimes you just got to take a time out. What do you mean, Pastor Rich? Sometimes you just have to do those things. What happens when you take a time out? First thing you do is you reevaluate or you evaluate the situation that you're in. You can look at yourself and say, what, what team am I really on? Jesus wants you on his team. And sometimes we start evaluating our lives and, and we just don't measure up. Or sometimes we've walked away from God and God is pulling us back in. He's saying, you're still part of the team. You're still here. It's simple to join. Come on back. As I said, God is the God of comebacks. 
But I love it that sometimes you just have to evaluate and reevaluate yourself in a timeout. You know what else timeouts do? Timeouts break or they create momentum. You know what a timeout can do? It can make you regroup. I've watched teams be down by 10. They just went on a 10-0 run. Coach call a timeout. All of a sudden, they go on an 8-0 run themselves. They had needed a time to regroup, to reevaluate. And sometimes when you're under attack, you need a timeout to break the momentum of the enemy. He makes you feel like you're ineffective. He makes you feel like you're lethargic or apathetic and makes you feel like you're just kind of going through the motions. But God says, call a timeout right now, and I want you to reevaluate where you are with me. I got a new plan. That old plan you were trying to figure out ain't working. Right now, I got a new plan. And if you'll get right in here in this circle, I'm going to tell you how to get there. A few days away could be the difference between victory and defeat. And do you know what else a timeout can do? A timeout can just give you rest. I don't care how in shape you are. There is no ball player that's going 40 minutes without sitting down. If they do, they're going to be ineffective. They're not going to be able to, do, to play the way that they want to play. Sometimes you have to take a timeout. I don't care how good a shape you're in. And you have to take timeouts and just rest. Jesus took a timeout. He said, I got to get away. I got to get off to myself. I, I, all of this junk that's going on in my life, man, it's just, it's killing me right now. I just got to walk over here and I got to be with the Father and I don't care what all the other stuff has just got to go. Do you know what? You know God himself took a time out? In Genesis, it said he worked six days. What did he do on the seventh? He rested. He chilled. I can see God laying back in a recliner watching March Madness. He chilled out. But I think sometimes we get our lives are just going, we're in going 100 miles an hour in 15 different directions and we just don't know how to rest. God said, I want you to reevaluate, I want you to regroup, and I want you to rest. And I'm about to show you that you're still on my team. Thank you for listening to the Big Church Podcast. If you enjoyed today's message, we would love to hear from you. You can find us on Instagram and Facebook at MyBigChurch and on the web at MyBigChurch.com. If you live in the Louisville area and you don't have a church you call home, we would love for you to be our guest during one of our Sunday services at 945 or 1130 a.m. Please join us again next time for an exciting message from one of our pastors on the Big Church Podcast.